Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody. This is episode five of the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. Uh, Before we begin, I just wanted to say thank you again to everyone for the positive feedback, all of the responses, all of your active participation on our Facebook stuff. Uh, And again, thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you for all of the likes and subscribes on YouTube and following us on Spotify and on all the other platforms. Uh, We really do appreciate it as an independent studio and an independent podcast. Uh, We rely on all of those uh, numbers and stuff being driven in, so that's awesome. Thank you guys so much. And today's main story is the bubbler. Yeah, so when you say bubbler to a non-Wisconsinite, they might look at you funny and uh, ask you what you're talking about. But if you don't already know, it's what we call a water fountain or a drinking fountain. And... Throughout the rest of the country, there's only small portions of the country that actually do use this term. Um, There's a small section in Oregon and on the East Coast, Rhode Island and Massachusetts. And uh, on the East Coast, I'm guessing they call it Bablas. Yeah. (laughs) Hey there, Marty. I'm stopping at the Babla. The car. Park. And weirdly enough, Australia, who refers to them as water bubblers. We will post a map on the uh, social media so you can kind of see where the locations are at. It's kind of weird how they're sporadic throughout the country, but... Yeah. So if you haven't heard it, the original story goes that a Kohler Waterworks employee named Harlan Huckleby had designed and patented the idea in 1988. I was in touch with a Kohler archivist and PR manager, Ann Schaefer, who completely says this is untrue and the the Kohler company can't actually take credit for it. She said, the company has never claimed to having invented the bubbler, nor does it hold a patent. They've searched patent records and their records are to no available. The same goes for the employee, Harlan Huckleby. There is no record of him ever working at the Kohler company. This waterworks company did not exist during the time period, and Kohler was actually part of another company named Hessen and Stein Company at the time period. And they were actually making and they were not actually making the water or plumbing products like the Kohler company does now. And I use Wikipedia and I never use Wikipedia for anything, so just bear with me on this one. Because a lot of times I find a lot of errors. And uh, they used to have the uh, Harlan Huckleby story posted, but it was recently taken down. And it's it's one of those sources I don't recommend anyone using. It's just kind of like a base, you know, you get your base information, but you got to dig a little deeper. Yeah, uh, Wikipedia is just all, it, it, it's uh, publicly uh, edited. You can you can add whatever you want. It obviously has to go through, uh, um, there, there are some editors, there are some fact checkers that, that do some stuff. But it's not it's not super quick. Uh, it, it can definitely take a little bit of time. So there's there's some things that are posted on you know pages that 
may not actually have any factual basis. You could read it today and tomorrow it could be off. Um, so definitely not a, a great source. Yeah, and this story was posted on there originally as the origin story, but this is not true. Kohler even confirmed that this is not true. Right. Harling kind of sounds like Milton from The Office. Where, yeah, right. You know, they eventually moved him to the basement. He wasn't receiving his checks. And they wanted to take his stapler. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't the, uh, there. the old red stapler. Did you know that stapler actually become a huge seller after that movie came swing out? Swing line. Yeah, swing line. Number one stapler. So unlike the bubblers today who arc outward, the original bubber or water fountain actually used to go straight up and back onto the spout. And back then, uh, a lot of people didn't realize, you know, how, how sickness spread. So, you know, the germs would go right back down onto the spout and back up into your mouth. It was, you know, especially today during COVID. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who just go straight in, put their tongue all around the spout, and that's how they get their water out of that thing. I mean, they're basically trying to get it. They're sucking it out. So, yeah, today we're going to go over a few theories and ideas that are actually been posed by multiple people. And uh, especially there's a historian up in Sheboygan named Beth Dipple. And uh, she's kind of done a lot of searching on this stuff. And uh, I, I would use her stuff. She's done a ton of digging. And uh, one of the earliest date theories that has been posed, and I have to give credit, obviously, the Sheboygan Press and Beth Dipple, that the Red Wing Company who used to actually produce water stuff. And a lot of people don't know that. They know him as the shoe company. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So in the late 1800s, in the schoolhouses here in Wisconsin, um, there used to be an attachment that was actually placed on this ceramic pot called a bubbler. And obviously, they don't know if this is true, but um, it's kind of like the Gatorade the Gatorade one you see now, but that one's made out of polyethylene and not like ceramic. And the piece where you push to release water would be considered the bubbler on that piece of equipment and this is the earliest counted it's in 1800s and all the old school one room you know the one room school rooms here in wisconsin so one of the next earliest hits you're going to see on the term after doing some digging was in 1900s simone benson had set up one of these fountains in oregon for lumberjacks of the time and uh, they became known as the benson bubbler which actually explains where the terminology came into play into Oregon, but not necessarily Wisconsin, but this also could be another place where the bubbler term came in. And they are still found throughout the city of Portland, and uh, it's a really neat piece of art. They're, um, they're brass and copper made, and they look really Art Nouveau, kind of like Art Deco, you know, that sure. old school, Victorian-ish looking. Over, it's, overdone, yeah, overstated. Yeah, like overdesigned and everything, but it actually looks really neat. Awesome. In the 1920s, um, though, Curl, though Kohler officially created a design called the bubbler, but the term obviously existed long before this happened. And if you were to search history right now, obviously, if you search bubbler, Kohler's going to be one of your first hits. Like bubbler history, if you want to know, Kohler's going to be the number one. They're not. It's not. You know, it's not necessarily true that this is the origin story, but that's what you're going to get currently. And. You know, after after doing some digging, they there was they were fitted with a device called the bubbler, um, with you know that would actually make the water bubbler bubble, uh, but they actually didn't manufacture them to 1926. And one of the earliest Kohler ads I could find was on the drinking fountain known as the Concord, where the term bubbler was used in the ad specifically as a description, and it reads Kohler Concord drinking fountain with vitreous. China non-squirting bubbler. 
And today you'll find many of these from multiple manufacturers selling them, such as the Chicago Faucet Company, Kohler, Granger, and, o and just Oasis Plumbing, to name a few. But it's actually just the piece that kicks the water out to your face. Gotcha. So to sum it all up, the uh, true origins are actually not known at this time. There's a lot of theories out there. And, uh, you know, I came up with this theory based on everything I found. So the term bubbler, I think, became popular because the plumbers installing it actually called them bubblers. This is where the actual water comes out to hit your mouth. And, you know, after a while it spread, especially Milwaukee plumbers. And I did find a couple plumbers mentioning them as bubblers that they're installed. And they told the customer, these are bubblers. And I think the kind of word spread, and it just kind of became, you know, one of those Band-Aid adhesive bandage type deals where it became kind of the mainstream. Right. You call it Kleenex. You call it Band-Aid, Frisbee. Those are all terms that are actually brands, not uh, the, the name of the actual thing being used. So they just, like you said, they just become known as, the, as that thing. Uh, and, and nobody calls it just a bandage or uh, a flying disc or something else you know they don't call it the item they call it the brand right and like simeon benson bubbler i mean that's where it spread to oregon and also the east coast i mean you, it's actually called the benson bubbler so people just shorten it up and call it the bubbler yeah and and honestly when you look at the like any drinking fountain that you're actually using if you look at any one of those the if you look at the head of of the spout it actually looks like it's bubbling out I know that it, it seems to be shooting, but most of the ones that we see today, especially the ones that have the like the more porcelain uh, tub, those ones have that bubble look to it. Now, the more, I guess, the more recently produced ones that have the plastic type tub or the stainless tub, those ones don't, I mean, they have that good stream to them, so they don't look like they're bubbling quite as much, but I could definitely see it. So, yeah, I mean, I hate to leave you guys hanging, but after all this digging and research, this is kind of the conclusion we've come to, and uh, we'll leave it up to you to come to your own terms, but this is my theory, and it's kind of a lot of other people pose the same theory. And with that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with you. All right, we are back again with our music segment. So today's band is Common Threads. They're a local band from the Janesville, Wisconsin area. Um we actually know some of these guys personally and uh, have jammed at Russ's uh, old house. We used to jam over there quite a bit. Uh, really awesome house on, on Garfield over in Janesville. It just kind of sits, uh, it stands out. Why don't you tell them about that? Yeah, it's like an old colonial, but there was like a back room off the back. And uh, I had a roommate, Mike, living with me at the time. And uh, they actually recorded some of their original stuff when Mike was still in the band in that house, which is I, I find it's pretty cool. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, bring up Mike here. Partier. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Twisted we, Tiger. We partied hard. Let's, yeah. I mean, there's so many good stories that we could tell you guys. We probably will later on on this podcast, but there were so many wild, wild times. Yeah, if I can just jump into a tangent real quick, just a real quick side segment. Uh, when him and I went to, went to the bar and he was wearing the jacket from uh, Drive, I looked over at him and I said, hey, Mike, you know, what can I get you to drink? I'm looking at the bartender. Mike says, give me a fight juice. I look at the bartender and I say, he'll have a fight juice. And you know what? Make that two. <laughs> not even thinking that fight juice isn't a thing on the menu. It's not a real drink. Nobody knows what this thing is. I had to look back at Mike and I was like, hey, just a little clarification. What again are we? What's that? 
It ended up being a Long Island iced tea, just so everybody knows. That's a fight juice. Okay. So Good to know. Uh, back to Common Threads. These guys are phenomenal. I absolutely love this band. If you have a chance, please go check them out on Spotify. I think they're on YouTube as well. They've got plenty of different streaming options. Bandcamp, I believe, too. They're awesome. Yeah, and, they, uh, they have some really cool music videos out, too, so check those out. Yes. And, uh, they're just all around great guys. And the song today that we're going to feature is Woo Without the Flare. Well, let's go ahead and just talk really quick, because I know that you're going to notice this. WWF fans, wrestling fans out there, or I guess they call it WWE now, uh, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Woo! This guy is clearly the inspiration for this jam. Yeah, and I got one more side tangent. <clears throat> so I've always wondered, do you think there's like any possible way you could survive one Coke binge with Hulk or uh, Macho Man Randy Savage? Just one. Not even close. I don't Not. know if my heart can take it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they were like Olympic-level drug users. I mean, their faces would be bright red, muscles just pumping. Just. They're, I mean... Teeth clenched, just trying to talk through it. Cream of the crap, brother. That's what I'm saying. But without further ado, here is Common Threads. Woo, without the flag.
All right, and that was Common Threads, Woo Without the Flare. Very good song. Now for a beer review. Again, just like uh, all the other ones before, we buy a six-pack, and we are drinking this thing throughout the entire episode. Today's beer is by Leinenkugels called Canoe Paddle Kolsch. The Canoe Paddle is, uh, is a Kolsch. Uh, it is a 5% ABV. Uh, it's a German classic. Great beer for summer. It's really refreshing. It honestly is. It tastes so good. Uh, it's a seasonal, so uh, of course you can only pick that up uh, about March through July. So uh, get to the stores quickly, grab a couple cases, put it into your refrigerator, have it sitting there getting cold and waiting for you because these ice-cold cruisers are great. Yeah, they, they pair well with brats in your uh, summer cookouts. And actually, I've been to the old Liney's Lodge with my grandpa. It, it wasn't called Liney's Lodge at the time, but it was the original brewery. Now they have the new Liney's Lodge open in Chippewa Falls, and uh, I really look forward to making my way up there to actually go see this this place. Yeah, I've heard that the uh, their water supply is something fun to, to actually check out. Interesting, at least. Yeah, and obviously the Drink Wisconsin beer that just came out, we've really been Jones for that one. I'm telling you right now, we so we hit we hit hard on that one. Uh, we we learned about it early. We've been following it along until release date, and uh, that'll definitely be one of those that we that we bring up on a, on a, on a future episode as well. And now, another edition of how many locos you at? All right, so today's news article. Uh, comes to us from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Uh, I'll go ahead and just read you the article, and then we will uh, we'll kind of discuss uh, first of all our opinions and our takes on what we read, and then also uh, we will decide how many local we think this man is at. So, a Sheboygan man was charged this week with drunk driving for the eighth time. Seventy-seven-year-old was pulled over Tuesday by an officer responding to a car driving too slowly on I-43 in the village of Oostburg. The officer uh, was told initially that his truck wasn't working properly, but as they later waited for a tow truck, the officer smelled intoxicants coming from the, uh, the individual. Uh, the officer then noticed that the individual had seven prior charges for operating while intoxicated, <laughs> And then the, obviously, that that set him off, you know. Let's go ahead and uh, maybe go ahead and give this guy either the roadside test or just make him blow into a stick. But um, what ended up happening was his blood alcohol concentration uh, came back for above .02, which, for those of you who don't know, .02 is the legal limit for anybody who has more than three or four OWIs or something like that. So he's not .08, his legal limit now is way down at .02. It comes back uh, for that, uh, for point, oh, .02 or higher. So according to this uh, officer's complaint, uh, obviously this man was charged and uh, eventually found guilty of his eighth OWI at 77 years old. Russ. This guy should be fishing right now. It's <laughs> drinking so hard. Well, I mean, dude, retire. Just, just, yeah, do something constructive with your own retirement. I mean, I, I look forward to retiring. I got like 37 years left. I mean, I'll be drinking, but I'm not going to be driving. I'm telling you right now, man. He, Dude, 
who gets on I-43? Right. You're that deep. What are you doing on the highway? How These ma- are normally stories we hear about out on backcountry roads, you know, little little side streets, downtown oh, yeah. streets. This guy is on I-43, an interstate highway. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, obviously when I was younger, I used to crack road sodas on country roads. I would never go on a freeway, but you could toss them out the window, you know, and just, you know, like, yeah, it's messed up, but I was a kid. But uh, yeah, this guy, eighth time. And like we've said, all of us have probably, you know, we've had our younger days. We've we've had had drinks. We've driven. We should have probably been, you know, caught. We could have been caught. But this guy, eight times, he's seventy-seven years old. I'm telling you right now, it's not your truck that's not working. It's your brain, dude. <laughs> Knock it off. Right. So how many locos do you think this guy's at? I mean, he blew a .02, so he might only have been a two loco, well, just a drunk two loco. Here's the thing. We don't actually know what he blew. We just know that what the article is saying, .02 is the legal limit for anybody who had, who's had that many uh, OWIs. So with, with the article being a little bit uh, vague on exactly what this guy blew, let's just determine that... Uh, I mean, he's hammered. He's going way too slow on I-43. He's 77. He's probably going slow on I-43 anyway. But, I mean, just judging from the article that he was he was with it enough to even come up with maybe a valid argument, uh, valid excuse, rather. I'm saying this guy is at least... I'm going to say eight loco. He's had two four loco cans. That's a rough night right there. Um, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I would probably be about that. It, this might be the case of an unknown loco because they don't give us the full breathalyzer. <laughs> this might be our first case of the unknown unknown loco. loco. You could you could be over the charts. I mean, this could be one of those blackout nightmares. I mean, to get that to get the courage of going to I forty three, you got some <laughs> at, locos and your heart's pumping. At seventy seven years old, he's got seven priors at this time, and he is. He's daring enough to get on I-43. I know, I know, you know, 70-year-olds who don't venture out to the interstate. And, that, and they're not even drunk. They're not drinking. This guy is 77, and he's ballsy enough to go ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to slam a couple and then get in the truck and get out on that interstate. I, You know, the one thing I hope when I retire I don't drink four locos. I don't know if my heart will be able to take it. Those things will pump you up. I'm telling you right now, this guy... He's he's had a couple. So we're going with an eight loco, probably. So you think an eight loco? Best guess. All right, we'll go with eight loco on this guy. So as always, to conclude the episode, we want to give a local business shout-out. Uh, today's shout-out is actually going to Dana Morgan from Grand Marsh, Wisconsin. He currently runs a business called Country Gems, where he makes all handcrafted bowls out of multiple types of wood. Um, they're all handcrafted and polished by him himself. Um, check him out on Facebook, and I recommend picking one of these bad boys up. Yeah, this is fine quality stuff here, guys, too. So uh, I would definitely check it out and uh, purchase multiple bowls. I have to agree with you on that one. And uh, with that, that'll conclude our episode. All right. That concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites 
and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as a dang it for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always, watch, watch out, out for deer, deer on, on the way, way home. home.